Good morning. It is so wonderful to see so many of you here, and thank you for being online also this morning. I feel so happy to be here in the new year with you, where our theme is Root and Reboot. I need that. The root part of it is a tradition in our organization, Centers for Spiritual Living, to get back to basics of our teaching, the science of mind, at the beginning of each year. It's a kind of maintenance check, you know, like a routine dentist checkup and cleanup, or like an oil change or a tire rotation, or like, you know, cleaning your refrigerator to, you know, because things can get weird when we stop paying attention to what's going on inside of life, right? Right, thank you. So the topics this month, and by the way, if you want to know what the topics are, you can look on our website, cslsr.org, or there is a beautiful new year-long journal created by our organization, which is available at our bookstore. It's glossy, and it's got the topics and the title and places for you to write your reflections, and that's available in our bookstore. Or if you prefer to just do it one month at a time, you, t- you can pick up this pamphlet that we've created, in the social hall with space for notes and also got the topics and the titles. So that's also available for you. So the topics this month, well, this whole year, relate to the global theme of living your life out loud. And in January, the first four topics correspond to the first four chapters of the book called The Science of Mind, which is the foundational book of our teaching. So the first chapter's title is The Thing Itself, or The Divine. And Reverend Russ started us off last week by talking about how the divine is a concept or an idea or intelligence or creative mind, and whatever it is, it is that something that makes everything work. That brings us to week two and chapter two. And chapter two's title is The Way It Works. And that is a fundamental part of our teaching that the thing itself, like one universal voice flowing through all of creation, works in my life as it does in yours by working through me working through you, meaning I must put something into life to get something out of it. And if it turns out that I've been putting the wrong kind of thing into life, I may want to, at the beginning of the year or any time, check in with that and change that up and clear out what isn't working so that life can work can flow through me in new and fresh ways, not only for me, but for my entire community also. All right. I have crepe myrtle trees on my street at home. They're so popular that they're known as the Santa Rosa tree. They're beautiful. I've got the pink ones and the white ones and the sort of reddish ones too. They're absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. And we've also got them right here at the center on our main thoroughfare. We've got the white ones. They're called Natchez. That's their variety. And uh, they're known for their 
splendid blossoms. They really go for it when it's time to bloom. And also their beautiful cinnamon red colored uh, bark. They're just gorgeous. And if you don't tend to them and clean up after them and prune them, things get pretty wild. They make a big mess. And that's just like life. Oh, we have to put something in to it. We've got to put some effort into it. We've got to have some intention and um, direction. We've got to put that in if we want to have the beautiful experience of the majestic trees. That's the way it works. So one day this fall, I got home, and there I noticed as I sat in my car in the driveway, my crepe myrtles of the pink variety were dropping their leaves, and all of their blossoms and the little pebbles of something that they produce. I mean, what a mess everywhere. I mean, so much so that the path to my front gate was covered, hidden. Possibly dangerous. Who knew what was under all of that nonsense? And I detected that there was some resistance in me to doing anything about it. <laughs> Look, I know I had asked specifically for those trees to be planted. I put that in. But now I didn't want to deal with them. And I remember thinking to myself, why can't I just sit here and pray it all away? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Have you ever sat there and thought to yourself, why can't I just pray this all away? And my own voice answered me in my head saying, well, perhaps one day you will be able to do that, Edward. But for now, the way it works is that there is an action you must take that matches the direction you want your life to go in. And when you take that first step, life will flow with you and through you. Edward, you have to put something into life to get something out of it. And that's the way it works. For me, for you, universally. I was preaching to myself. <laughs> Look, prayer is still important and necessary because prayer is the practice where I recognize my connection with the thing itself, the, the spirit of life within. And by recognizing it, I recognize its strength within me. And, and that's when it can flow through me when I do take that first and necessary step. Ah. <sighs> So it's about clearing out whatever is in the way of taking action in life, whether that is the resistance in my own mind and heart, or whether that's leaves blocking the pathway to the doorway of the greater yet to be, or whether that is clearing out the stuff that is in my refrigerator that ought not to be there. Do you have that stuff? <laughs> refrigerator, isn't that a great metaphor for consciousness? Right? I've been told that some things in the refrigerator get better with age, like spaghetti sauce. But I don't know if that's true. 
But it does remind me of how some of, well, some of our beliefs, they get better with age. Like confidence in prayer. I want to keep that in my consciousness. But other things, well, in the refrigerator go rotten and they foul up the whole refrigerator and the longer you keep them, the worse they get. Which reminds me of things like clinging and controlling and criticizing. You've got to get rid of that. Got to clear that out. That might be what's blocking the way to the door. And some things in my refrigerator, oh, they feel so good to get rid of them because they open up space for something new and fresh. It's very practical. And, and some stuff in my refrigerator, and this is just like my mind, I don't even know who put it there. <laughs> it could be a partner, a guest, a family member. And, and even though I don't like it that it's there, I kind of feel guilty about getting rid of it. So I'll hold on to it. So I'm, I'm thinking right now about old family behaviors that I, well, I inherited. Somebody put it inside there and I'm holding on to them. Like some of them, family standards, criticism, complaining. Oh, it was very hard for me to clear that out. It was very difficult for me way back then to stand up and say, this is not the way I want to be. This is not the way I want to engage. This is not what I'm interested in putting into life. I'm clearing that out. Oh, but once I got that out, once I got rid of those, oh, so much room was freed up in my life. So much. Now, some things in my refrigerator of consciousness, I put there myself because I like them and I want to have more of them. You know, the staples, honesty, fairness, loving kindness. I have to replenish them because sometimes they run out. I got to keep putting that back. And there's other stuff I, I, I put there out of habit. Because it worked once, and I'm not really motivated to explore other options. So I can get stuck in a rut of repetition. Many years ago, when I lived in a neighborhood where there were a lot of children who went around for trick-and-treating, I, I rigged my front door so that when I opened it for the trick-and-treaters, when they knocked on the door, there was a, a wire or a cord that pulled a scary face up. So as I opened the door, the scary face came up. Oh, it was so great and scared everybody. And I thought it was such a good idea that the year after that, I did it again. And there was a knock on the door and this little girl and her dad were there. And their face came up and she looked at it. And the dad said, honey, look at the face. And she said, yes, I know. He did it last year. <laughs> Cleaning up can be as simple as asking myself the question, are there things in my life that I'm simply repeating because they worked once? They're convenient or they're familiar, you know. That last year's Halloween idea, it was so good, sure was good, nothing wrong with it. And what if the living Spirit Almighty within me, within you, has an even better idea? 
So how about, in my cleanup process, I pray to get clear on my connection with the living spirit and then through its power within me, I put something new into life by being curious, by being exploring, by trying new things, by connecting, by listening, by learning, by giving, by helping, by caring, by creating, by sharing. Oh, I love the idea that when I put something new into life, I tend to get something new out of it. It seems to me that life loves it when I do something. I believe that life loves it when we are creative and engaged. Life responds, in my opinion, powerfully when we get up and are adventurous and alive. And it flourishes when we use our natural-born talents of being compassionate and helpful and connecting and so on. But it can be very difficult to do any of this if my consciousness is all clogged up with old decaying ideas and attitudes and habits. So how do you clean it up? Well... Reverend Russ is going to be talking about how we can move past our resistances in life on Wednesday night at the 7 p.m. in-person service and part using journaling. And if you really want to bring your life's intentions into clear focus, we have an in-person class at the center starting on Tuesday. Isn't it great that we're having in-person classes again? So thrilling. And, and this is by Lawrence Edwards, our practitioner. And his class explores all these spiritual principles that we teach. And it's a really great way to start the clearing out process so that you can live a spirit-directed life. It starts Tuesday. So you've got to skedaddle to get there. Now I'm thinking about my own life right now and how I have to clean the mental refrigerator every day. That's what that 365 days 6 a.m. meditation was all about. And sometimes I have to do it more than once a day. Now before I get, well before I go out into the world, I try to get clear on who I am and what lives in me. Like, for example, when I, I drive to the center parking lot for work or I, I drive to a restaurant for a dinner date with friends or to whatever it is, I try to get perfectly clear, as clear as I can get on what I'm bringing and what I'm putting into life because the way it works is that the thing itself works for me by working through me. So imagine I start the day and I don't get clear. I, I just open the fridge and I pack a lunch and I grab the first thing is, that's there. And it's a piece of cheese that's been there for a long time and it's got green stuff growing on it. Now without thinking about it, I grab it and I take it and before long my entire day is ruined. 
because it's stinking up everything, not just for me. See, getting clear on what I'm putting into life can be as simple as pausing, sitting at home, sitting in the car before getting out and talking to myself silently or out loud, talking into my deeper mind like we did two Wednesdays ago at the Wednesday evening service, saying powerful statements that encourage and inspire me to take action in a way that is consistent with what I want to put into this world. Like, for example, I might say, my mind is a center of divine activity, and through the power of the living spirit within me, I easily make decisions and express compassion or whatever it is I want to put into life. Because what you and I say to ourselves is what we are putting into our spiritual refrigerator. And what we accept inside impacts everything. And it becomes what we are putting into life. Have you ever had something in the refrigerator that it didn't go bad, but it made everything else taste like it. <laughs> I think about that when I want to remind myself that what I put in there matters. So why would I store all kinds of stuff in there that fouls up my mind and gives me a sour look on my face and makes me awful to be around? I have friends who just love cleaning their refrigerator. They love it. And before I learned how to love it, I used to envy them for their ability to just roll up their sleeves, you know, and just do it. Because at that time, when I was learning about this, I just wanted to pray it all away. I just wanted to wish it all away. And to be frank, that's how I dealt with things in my life. I avoided it. I left stuff in there until it went bad. It, maybe it's part of being human, you know, to avoid the things that are smelly, messy, uncomfortable, and painful, you know. Even at the same time, when we know clearing it out would lead to freedom and healing and wholeness and happiness and relief. But the reality is that... Not everything is positive and lovely and wonderful all the time. From time to time, an ill wind does blow through our winter. Once in a while, our world gets truly shaken up, like by a messy storm or by some very painful event. Sometimes we have to say goodbye to a loved one. And sometimes we have to change and, and grow, and that seems lonely because not everyone understands when we grow. And sometimes we have to deal with events that seem unfair, unreasonable, and we struggle with knowing why. And sometimes just everything goes wrong and bad and, and putting it right and clearing it out is not as easy as checking the expiration on the milk carton. You know? 
cleaning up and clearing out and dealing with painful things can be confusing and scary. And, and, and it is for that reason, possibly, that we come together in places like this, in spiritual community, where we can be together and get a little help from our friends, where we together can take a collective breath as we prepare to take the step forward in the direction we want our lives to go rather than to isolate and suffer and try and do it all alone. And that's the reason why our prayer practitioners are on duty. Today, you may have noticed the chairs set up around the periphery of the sanctuary after the service today. They're going to be sitting there to be there for us as we open that door to our heart. Not so much to pray our problems away, but to help us connect with the living spirit within and to remind us of the truth of our being. I like to keep in mind that my prayers aren't to avoid or get rid of problems, but my prayers are to help me recognize the connection I have to the living spirit within and through its presence find the courage that can help me lean into the whole of life. It can be difficult doing what we have to do. You and I may not be able to clear it out all at once, in one go. We have to start over a couple of times, maybe do it one shelf at a time, maybe do it in layers. So let me lighten things up a bit by telling you a story about doing it all at once. It's the story of Tanya at the gym. For my birthday this year, my partner purchased me a week of private lessons at the local health club. I called and made reservations with someone named Tanya, a 26-year-old aerobics instructor who suggested I keep an exercise diary to chart my progress. Day one, I started the morning at 6 a.m. Tanya showed me the machines and was very encouraging as I did my sit-ups, though my gut was already aching from holding it in the whole while I was talking to her. <laughs> this is going to be great. Day two. Took a whole pot of coffee to get me out of the door, but I made it. Tanya had me lie on my back and push this heavy iron bar up into the air. Then she put weights on it, for heaven's sakes. My legs were a little wobbly on the treadmill, but I made it the full mile. Her smile made it all worthwhile. Muscles all feel great. Day three. The only way I can brush my teeth is by laying the toothbrush on the counter <laughs> and moving my mouth back and forth over it. I'm certain I have developed a hernia in both pectorals. <laughs> Driving was okay as long as I didn't try to steer. <laughs> I parked on top of a Volkswagen. Tanya was a little impatient with me and said my screaming was bothering the other club members. The treadmill hurt my chest, so I did the stare monster. Why would anyone invent a machine to stimu simulate an activity rendered obsolete by elevators? Tonya told me regular exercise would make me live longer. I can't imagine anything worse. <laughs> Day four. 
Tanya was waiting for me with her vampire teeth in full snarl. I can't help it if I was a half an hour late. It took me that long just to tie my shoes. She wanted me to lift dumbbells. Not a chance, Tanya. The word dumb must be in there for a reason. I hid in the men's room until she sent Lars looking for me. As punishment, she made me try the rowing machine. I think it sank. Day five. I hate Tanya more than any human being has ever hated any other human being in the history of the world. She thought it would be a good idea to work on my triceps. Well, I have news for you, Tanya. I don't have triceps. And if you don't want dents in the floor, don't hand me any barbells. Day six. Tanya left a message on my answering machine, wondering where I am. I lacked the strength to use the TV remote, so I watched 11 straight hours of the Weather Channel. <laughs> Day seven. Well, that's the week. Thank goodness that's over. Maybe next time my partner will give me something a little more fun, like a gift certificate for a root canal. 